Welcome to this Financial Advisor podcast. My name is Rijk van Niekerk and my guest today is Grant Maggot. He is the Director and Financial Expert at NFB Private Wealth Management. Grant, welcome to the show. Uh, we are currently seeing a lot of political noise in the market, Many, a lot of political developments. Um, what do you make of what is currently happening and, and what do you think the impact is uh, on your clients? Good afternoon, Rijk. I think... Looking at, at the political landscape that we have in South Africa at the moment, you've obviously got a number of factors that influence um, investment decisions. Um, clients are always worried about where, where their next return is coming from. Is it going to be from local equities? Is it going to be from foreign equities? Um, uh, currency diversification. And our, our job really is to sit down with clients and understand their investment philosophy and their investment objectives. It's pointless trying to create a financial plan or advise someone when they actually don't really know where they want to go or where their starting point actually is. Do you think the risks within South Africa, investment risks um, and wealth management risks have changed in recent times? The issue that we're finding is um, with the amount of uncertainty in the markets, uh, people are, are fleeing to safe havens where they know they're going to get a, a, a certain return. Um, with the currency, we've seen uh, the rand over the last year um, stabilize around the 13 rand to the dollar mark, then through Nene Gate in December, plummet all, all the way down to 1810, I think the, the, the worst it was. Um, and now it's recovered quite dramatically. Um, and clients are saying to us, well, should I be bringing my rands back or should I be unwinding in offshore investments? And I think what's important is for us to sit down with clients and say, well, what is the reason why you took the the, invest, the money across before? Um, if it's for um, speculative means, then it might be a, a time to bring it back. But I think where we've really focused on is really the long-term wealth management and really offshore investments play a role in your overall investment portfolio. How many clients phoning you within this political environment Asking, you know, should I change my philosophy? Should I change my strategy? Uh, how how um, interactive are your clients within this environment? I think when clients don't understand what's going on in the environment, they, they do tend to panic a little. Um, we definitely have seen an uptick in the, the, the interaction with, with clients. Um, a lot of clients are very uncertain as to whether they should stay local, go offshore, should they be going out of equities into cash. And I think the role of your financial advisor or wealth manager is actually to try and calm clients down and actually try and get them to realize that um, everything reverts back to the mean over time. And it's understanding where that mean is. Um, are we now way above the mean, below the mean, um, and trying and trying to put them at ease as to uh, what the what the next step is. Um, I've personally had quite a few clients phoning in, needing to withdraw money, and it's it's actually the a, quite an interesting reason why they are is a lot of them their, their business seems to be struggling um, under cash flow pressures. So a lot of clients are drawing money out to try and push their their, their business, which in markets like this could be an opportunity for them. Um, I think it's all around understanding whether markets are or aren't efficient. Uh, we believe they're not efficient. Uh, if they were efficient, there would be very limited opportunities. But because of the inefficiency of markets, it does create opportunities for advisors as well as uh, private individuals to take advantage of. Just to, uh, expand a bit on those uh, opportunities you see. 
Um, well, I think when you, you know, I remember getting into the industry in 2001 and when the rand hit 13 rand 86 to the dollar. And I, I remember I had one or two clients phone me in, the, in that December while I was on holiday and saying, I need to get out, I need to get every cent I have out of the country. Um, and after a couple of uh, meaningful conversations with them, they kind of realized that it's actually, you know, you, you can't really just make an investment de- decision ba- based on an event. Um, we then saw the rand come back to five rand eighty uh, to a point, and at that point, not one not one person wanted to take money overseas. So I think you know, understanding your client and understanding what they really are trying to achieve is is paramount in in our business. International investments, obviously, uh, many advisors you know push that agenda. You know, it's it's been marketed as a safe number one investment, and number two, it's a hedge against uh, the currency volatility. Uh, what is your typical advice to clients regarding taking money offshore? When deciding whether you're going to take money offshore, there, there are a lot of factors to, to take into account. Obviously, the, legis- the jurisdiction that you're going to, the investment environment where, where, where you're going to be placing the funds, and the ability to manage those funds from a remote destination like South Africa. Obviously, with the uh, the improvement of technology and and the availability of people overseas, you can actually um, you know manage money real time uh, without without much fuss. Um, I think the issue is where to put the money and how to how to invest. Um, we obviously use certain products to try and get around the probate or or uh, CITES issues. Um, if you're living in the U.S., it's CITES. Everywhere else, it's it's probate, um, because that's just a, a, an estate duty implication. Um, and from there, what we need to do is understand the, your again coming back to your investment process and your investment philosophy as where to invest money. Um, unfortunately, when you look at overseas. Um, markets um, interest yields are, are giving you next to nothing and dividend yields are, are actually giving you something reasonable so you know we actually had a look at a graph this morning the um, dividend yield versus the 10-year um, uh, bond yields and if you look at the US you've got the dividend yield at around 2.2 percent and the government bond at around 1.8 in 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 US so Understanding that, you can actually say, well, am I prepared to take a risk of putting my money into risky assets where I can actually make a lot of money when the, when the markets do run and actually earn the same yield as I would do if, I, if it was in, in cash? Well, in South Africa, the, uh, the, the bond yields um, are virtually double what we've seen this year on, on the JSE, for example, and at a lot less risk. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and that's why I view we're not very um, – bullish on, on local equities, you know, the South African equity market, the di- current average dividend yield is around 2.9% and uh, the 10-year government bond is around 89 Obviously, if you went down the credit rate spectrum where you go into corporate bonds, uh, those rates get even more attractive. So it's about understanding understanding those risks, um, explaining to your client that uh, a corporate bond is not a government bond. Um, even though if you look at some corporates, they've probably got better balance sheets than government, uh, not specifically South Africa, but uh, globally. Um, but there's definitely, you know, the um, the worry just in, in South Africa is um, is inflation over, over uh, current equity yields. 
And with the downgrade, uh, potential downgrade coming, uh, the the yields could even be more attractive. Are you actively uh, moving some uh, investments on behalf of your clients from equities into cash? Again, it comes down to the client specific. Um, you know, we've got some very high net worth individuals that are saying, well, if the market comes off 10 or 15%, I can actually tolerate it um, and probably put in more money to actually lower my average cost. So they actually seeing it a bit of an opportunity. Uh, some clients are being a little bit more cautious and what we are looking what we are doing is that we are phasing money in over a period of time and what that basically entails is instead of putting uh, a million rand into an investment once off you actually put it in a hundred thousand rand a month for 10 months um, or whatever your phase in period um, might be the reason for that is that you know you just average your your cost in um, interestingly though when you look at um, historical performances phasing in doesn't always actually work um, and actually isn't for the benefit of the client and I think you know at the end of the day we just we sit as um, part of the client's conscience trying to explain to him what the pitfalls and what the advantages of doing of following certain strategies are at the end of the day you know they're the ones that are signing off and making the call we really are their advisor and uh, well hopefully they do take our advice. In uh, FB, private wealth management is uh, an independent uh, financial advisor or financial management group. Um, is it important to be independent in, in this environment? Yeah, I, I think independence is, is quite a quite a large, um, again, the landscape of what an independent advisor is is, is quite, quite large because you have to understand every product that's offered by every institution through, um, in the investment world in the well, South African environment and you know that is very very difficult so while we maintain our independence we do have our preferred product suppliers and I think the reason is is the ability to leverage um, our, ourselves off the institution to make sure that we get a better deal for the client um, to make sure that costings are, are put under pressure um, so the client gets a better a better net deal. Who are your preferred uh, managers? Um, so, I mean, obviously we do use uh, all the large um, platforms. So if you look at Investec or Alan Gray, um, Sunlam Glacier, uh, Momentum Wealth or Mutual Wealth, you've got to be careful not to leave off uh, certain. Otherwise, I get, you know, w- when we go back for pricing compression, they, they can't say, well, you didn't mention us. Um, but then from an asset management point of view, uh, we run our own in-house uh, model portfolios uh, and funder funds. We also use Coronation, Alan Gray, Investec, uh, Foot, you know, the usual, the usual uh, suspects. Um, do you use any index-based funds? Um, within our within our uh, funder funds, we we do use index, a few index based um, institutions uh, and funds. The problem that we've always felt is relative to overseas markets, the index the index funds here in South Africa are still relatively expensive. Um, you know, we've had discussions with with those institutions, and they're saying, well, they don't need to lower their fees at this point in time. So when you get a um, you know, when you can get an active manager in at, at around 1.2% and a passive manager at around 50, um, yes, it is 70 basis points. But if you look at historical performance, often 
the active manager outperforms. But that's not true. Um, we see a lot of uh, passive funds, uh, you know, outperform net of fees, uh, the active managers, you know, and even if it is 20, 30 percent of the active managers mm. who outperform, you don't know which one. Yeah, uh, I guess you never know. You're never going to know um, which is the which is the next best thing. Um, but I guess where we're coming from is it's about quantitative and qualitative analysis, understanding who are you investing with and why. Um, and as long as those things stack up, uh, we're, very, we're very comfortable using uh, managers. Um, I'm not saying that um, ETFs or index trackers are, are, a, are a lost cause um, because I definitely think they play a role, um, but some clients don't like them. Well, as I, you know, asset allocation is so critical in South Africa, especially with the risk profile we currently have. Um, what, what is your approach to asset allocation? At, at this point in time, we pretty underweight local equities, overweight local bonds, underweight global bonds and overweight global equities. Obviously, we do have the issue within our Regulation 28 compliance funds, where which is much like your balance fund space, where you've got to remain um, within specific guidelines. Um, but yeah, I do feel that the, the market as a whole uh, is is very challenging, but but at this point, I'm quite rewarding. And, and, you know, the guys that are making good asset allocation calls and good uh, stock picking calls are, are doing well. Just uh, on, on wealth management, uh, we've heard, we've seen the, the medium term budget policy statement uh, last week. And uh, it was actually quite clear that there will be higher taxes next year and the obvious targets are high net worth individuals. Uh, SARS is also closing a lot of the historic loopholes. Um, what is your approach to, to wealth management, especially of the high net worth individuals, to reduce taxes? Is it still possible to structure a, a uh, wealth management portfolio or a wealth portfolio to pay less tax? I think with you know obviously when you look at uh, when we listen to uh, the minister's speech last last week we realised that well next year you're going to have to tighten your belt a little bit more than what you had to do this year and um, unfortunately that's just purely because of of the state of uh, the state of play at the moment um, I think if you look at um, most of the uh, most uh, economies they're all under pressure um, and it's just it's just uh, what you're going to have to do. Um, when you come back to the wealth management point of view, um, you know, and obviously there are one or two specifics that they are that uh, revenue are going to attack, and, and probably one of them they are looking at, at trusts. Um, trusts do still play quite an important role in estate planning, um, as long as you're using it for the right reason. And I think that's that's what's key: is what is the objective? Is it to create a um, a way to get funds out to lower tax rate payers no is it you know and and that's what's important you know as long as it's there for the right reason it's long-term wealth creation for the beneficiaries of the trust then you know it still will play play a role um you know obviously there's going to be a lot of um finger pointing and and um looking at um, the mechanics and how the trusts are being run but as long as you're up to date and um, you run it properly I still think that trusts are a very worthwhile um, structure to use Just the regulation within the industry is some people regarded as very draconian others regarded as necessary because uh, 
there are a few cowboys out there. What is your perception on the regulations uh, governing the financial advice industry specifically? The difference, we feel that in the current uh, environment, you need to be advised. You need to understand what's, what's going on and where's the best place for you to put your money. Um, it's not about, oh, I might save 25 basis points here or 30 basis points there. It could actually be you save it in the short term and you pay for it in the long term. And that's often what happens. So as long as you find a reputable investment house with good financial advisors, um, guys that are there to put your needs and your objectives first, uh, I definitely think it's uh, money well spent. Just lastly, uh, what are your, what is your fee structure? So again, I, uh, yeah, it's quite a sens- sensitive issue um, and, a sensitive, uh, and a discussion point. But again, what we do is that we'll sit down with a client, uh, play open cards and say, this is generally what our fee would be and enter, enter into a negotiation with them. And as long as um, both parties are comfortable with the fee, then, then we're happy. Because at the end of the day, you don't want um, an advisor or um, an investment professional uh, being forced to look for yield to try earn a fee. You want them to do what's right for you and not what's going to be kind of right for you, but where they can earn a fee. Um, you know, so as long as uh, an advisor can remain a commercial entity and um, and earn a fee that's transparent and 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 you sign off, then we're all for it. I think um, you know what you have to do, and it's a phrase that our CEO coined uh, was treat responsible advisors fairly. Um, and it's about saying if you're doing a good job, if you understanding what the pitfalls and what the shortcomings are in the market, and you're giving good advice, um, then you actually deserve a fee. Many South Africans, you know, don't like to negotiate. You know, you go to a professional, uh, you know, which a financial advisor is one, um, and you, you see a fee and you, and you pay. There's not a, you know, a culture of negotiation. How many of your clients actually try to negotiate a better price? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the time it comes down to the size of the portfolio. Um, you know, so again, you know, a lot goes into financial planning and a lot of time and effort goes into creating the proposals and creating the reviews and, and keeping the clients abreast of what's going on in the markets. And, you know, there is a fee there. So on the smaller clients, you might find that it might not be as negotiable, but on the larger, larger mandates, it's a discussion. Thank you, Grant. That was Grant Maggot. He is a director and a financial expert at NFB, Private Wealth Management.